All right, hello everybody and welcome to a very special on-the-road version of the MTGA Wind Up podcast. As usual, I am your host, Mike Anderson, here uh, to dive into something kind of fun and different, especially given the circumstances of bad camera angle and lighting that I'm working with in the hotel room I'm in. So as kind of, I guess, luck would have it, the episode that was meant to be coming out today uh, did not get uploaded before I left town. That's totally my bad. And I'm having to ad-lib a little bit, but it does allow me to dive into something that I th was planning on talking about anyway in a future episode. It just is going to happen now as opposed to later. So, and this is really going to tie into some of the wine business conversations that we've been having uh, over the last couple of months now, because those have been actually the most popular episodes. And uh, I guess not surprising, it's been some of the most popular questions that we've gotten uh, at the winery uh, lately and online as well. It's been, it's been really fun to dive into some of these details because so many people we talk and so many wineries talk about the subtle nuances of grape growing and the winemaking and all the romance and pomp and circumstance of harvest and all the things that go on to get from grapes to a bottled product. Not a lot of us dive into the nitty gritty details of just the wine business, the dollars and cents and nuts and bolts of what allows us to do what we do. So with that, we're going to explain as why I'm sitting in a hotel room in Kansas City right now. Number one, I needed a barbecue fix. First and foremost is that California, I love you so much, but grilling is not barbecue. Just face the facts, it's not. And there's a handful of good places where you can get decent barbecue in California, but let's face it, the South, the Midwest, and you know the Carolinas on the East Coast, they've got you pegged. Let's, yeah, they're better. Let's just call it what it is, let's be honest. Uh, number two, this is a very important aspect of what wineries do, both large and small, to help promote their businesses. And that's something that we're going to really get into today in the limited amount of time I have. And actually, it's why I'm in a, if you're watching the video on YouTube, I'm in a button-down shirt. The hair is all done. I got an event that to, to go to tonight to pour some wine for some folks. So we're going to squeeze this in, uh, get it uploaded, and then I got to hit the road. But uh, this is the question that we've been getting. And it's like, how do you, specifically, you know, as a small producer, survive as a business? You know, you're not in retail shops, you're not in restaurants, uh, you're hard to find, you know, you're you maybe market on social media or doing a podcast or something of that nature. Uh, you have a wine club, so you have fans, but where did that, how did that start? How did you build that? And how do you continue, you know, that? Because if people can't find you, how are they buying your wine? If it's not readily available to people, and ours definitely aren't, how do you survive? And it's such a great question. Realistically, there are kind of three main avenues for us, particularly. Um, there can be a fourth one that we don't really use all that much, and that is the wholesale side of things and working through distribution, working with the retail shops and working with the restaurants. We do that very sparingly currently. So I'm gonna omit that for right now. We'll dive more into the distribution side of things and the ins and outs of it in a future episode. Uh, but the three, the other three main things that we do will be, of course, hosting tastings at the winery. We have you out to the winery. Myself or Brittany sits down with you. We go through a lineup of wines. We talk shop. We hang out. People purchase, maybe join the wine club. And business continues. Now, the wine club. 
Number two, the wine club is basically the annuity for any wine business. It's how we really do a lot of our budgeting as we're getting you know, into the latter part of the year. Every December, I look at our wine club numbers, uh, how many people are in it, the attrition rates, um, how much wine we're selling through the wine club. And that, in essence, is my budget for the year because I know I can not guarantee those funds, but at least those are folks that are signed up and I know are more or less locked in for a purchase. So I can really ballpark exactly how much revenue is going to be coming from there. We do the same thing with the tastings that I mentioned. You know, we know roughly how many guests that we host every year at the winery. We know on average how much wine we're going to sell and there's always a little bit of give and take. But if you happen to have let's say a year like 2020 when no one's coming to the winery, now you gotta find different ways to get your wine out to people and get it introduced to people. So, you know, that's obviously an extreme case, but if you happen to have a down year like that, you're gonna have to find other avenues to go through. Even this year, the first quarter for many, many wineries, the reporting visitation is being down 20 to 30%, which is crazy, but, you figure the winter that we've had with a lot of snow in the mountains, people are you know going and doing their winter sports, going up to their cabins, hanging out in the snow. It's raining all the time in California. People are just heading for different places uh, for the first quarter of the year. So every once in a while, you have things like that shake down. So tastings, while reliable, you know, are a little bit more wishy-washy than, in my opinion, than you know, wine club can be. Now, the trick with a wine club, you know, wine being the luxury good that it is, you know, many of us will argue that we need wine, right? But realistically, if push comes to shove and the economy tanks, you know, wine clubs start to decrease immediately. People start canceling because we're, we pinch our pennies and we're worried about, you know, our finances, which makes sense. So, you know, they both kind of, both of these things, both tastings and wine club have a lot of considerations you have to take in. There's a lot of kind of give and take based on sales expectations and goals and, and what you want to do as a business. And, but we really have to, you know, try to, uh, you know, do the best we can with what we got and, you know, budget accordingly, knowing full well that there might be some ebb and flow to it. Now, the last thing that I want to get into, and one of the most important things for us as a small wine business, is getting out on the road. That is why I am doing this episode from a hotel room in Kansas City. Now, uh, we do a handful of events throughout the year. Uh, this one happens to be uh, for the Nelson Atkins Museum out in KC. They do a, a lovely fundraiser and auction, a grand wine tasting event, uh, typically the first Friday, I believe, in May, and we are out here for that. Uh, now, since we have some wine club members and clients and good friends in Kansas City as well, we call them up and say, hey, we're coming to your neck of the woods. Do you want to host a wine tasting uh, do you have a country club that hosts wine tastings for their members? You know, can we kind of figure out, you know, ways to get wine out in front of some new people? And it's a lot better than cold calling for sure, because you get a personal recommendation from someone who's already purchasing and enjoys your wine. They're introducing it to their friends by bringing them to that, you know, tasting event. And we get to meet all these new folks personally. So uh, that's what we did last night. That's what we're doing tonight, uh, as a matter of fact, as well. And it's one of those things that is this third avenue for us small producers to go out and get in front of people that we just wouldn't normally get in front of. 
Because so many folks, if you're planning a trip to Napa, you have all these options, you have all these other places that have been recommended to you. And for someone small like us, you know, we have to get in front of you some way, somehow. And sometimes these little uh, kind of grassroots events that we put on are exactly how we do that. Now, it's, you know, something that is just an immense amount of fun. And it's something that is for me to hit the road, eat some good barbecue in this case, uh, you know, meet some new folks that hate some old friends and hang out in a city that frankly I love. It's a real great perk of the job, no doubt about it. Now it does all seem like whining and dining. This is when you see, you know, wineries and their Instagram posts of their beautiful events and, and well to do dinners and all this good stuff. Uh, but we're working the whole time. It's, we're kind of night owls when we're on the road because our events are typically in the evenings. We sleep late because we're out late. We have a nice big lunch because we know we're not gonna eat dinner. We're just gonna be too busy hosting people. And we just rinse and repeat and kind of knock this out as we go. So those are really the three kind of main facets that we utilize as a small brand and how we really survive. And the way you can think about any one of those three is we kind of just break it up into thirds, right? A third of our business comes from tastings, another third from wine club, and another third from being on the road and doing these events out and about. Now, this is, you know, kind of where you, as a wine business, you have to decide what you want to do. You know, if you're heavy into the wholesale game, you're probably working more with like retail shops and restaurants if you hit the road. You're probably working with your distributor when you hit the road. Uh, if you're a smaller brand like us, maybe you're going to, you know, a wine club member's place. Um, you, they, you know, they have some wine in their cellar or you bring a little bit with you and you say, okay, well, we're just going to hang out as a group of friends, pour you some wine, enjoy, and try and introduce you. It's like a Tupperware party, uh, for those that remember what Tupperware parties are, uh, for, for wine, basically. Way more fun than Tupperware. It's good wine, for sure, for sure. But, you know, how we break out those thirds are all, in essence, kind of different, you know, you know, different revenue streams for us as a small brand. And I'll put it this way, you know, the wine club, as I spoke about it, kind of being that annuity and really the main thing that we budget around, in essence, the money that comes in from our wine club, you know, all those bottles and all that, you know, revenue that comes in, we don't really see a penny of. That comes in and goes right back out to pay bills. We're talking bottling runs, we're talking uh, fruit costs, we're talking any labor, any marketing travel such as this. The wine club is very much our bottom line. And for those that know, I mean, we have a handful of wines that are in essence the front runners of that. That's going to be our Pinot Gris, our white wine, our Pinot Noir, our Napa Valley Merlot, our red blend, and our Cabernet Sauvignon. Those five wines in our lineup are just pay the bill, kind of pay the bills kind of wines. They, they are the chateau cash flow of our wine business. You know, I don't really get to see anything in terms of a paycheck from any of those wines and very little from our wine club because just the cost of doing business in Napa and doing what we do, you know, on a small scale, it's just expensive. Um, so you have to have those products, you know, in your lineup, they're going to allow you to pay those bills and allow you to do, you know, all the fun things that you want to do. And that's where something, supplementing with something like distribution or supplementing with something like these events on the road, that's what allows us to earn, actually earn a living. That's how, you know, these, these events are really how I pay my bills at home. You know, it's the paycheck that I earn. It's how I put food on the table. So that's why I'm out on the road 
doing a bunch of events in a given week kind of around this great charity event. And number two, you know, the other, it also allows us to invest more into our higher end wines. It gives us a little bit of a buffer to do things like our St. Helena uh, Merlot, the Single Barrel Merlot, uh, the Black Knight Pinot Noir, uh, the Cab Franc, uh, the Grand Cast Cabernet, kind of all of our high-end wines that, you know, require more new barrels. They require, uh, you know, more intense graphic design and screen printing in the case of one of our Cabernets and some of our Single Barrel wines previously. Uh, it's really, all these wines are so much more expensive to make and for all these wines that we really want to be making, that's what a lot of these on the road events really help us with. It's kind of that nice little boon that we get occasionally through the year when we're on the road that allows us to say, for me, one, actually earn a paycheck, and two, have a little extra money in the MTGA coffers to buy the barrels I want, uh, to invest in different equipment, to uh, do more with our label design, and do kind of all the fun things that we really want to be doing. You know, the five wines that I mentioned are white wine, Pinot Noir, Merlot, Napa Valley Merlot, red blend and our Cabernet Sauvignon, those being like the cash flow wines, that's that's just it. They allow us to pay the bills and continue to stay on the current track and keep moving forward the way we are. They keep the lights on, which is fantastic. Uh, but when we can take some of our smaller production wines out on the road, introduce people not just to our great staples, but some of the really high-end wines that we make, uh, that's really where we do the most work and what allows us to continue to grow and actually stay in business. That's everything. Uh, because tastings, the tasting game, we can only host so many tastings a year. Uh, we only host, you know, maybe a couple of tastings a day, you know, at our busiest realistically, if that realistically. Um, there's a finite amount of time that I have, you know, think of, you know, when I'm on the road like this or uh, that Brittany has uh, as well in terms of hosting guests. Uh, the wine club continues to be kind of the diesel engine that just keeps running and keeps us going. And then this supplemental, you know, this, these travel and events are kind of that supplemental income that allows us to just do what we want to do and be able to continue to invest more into things like MTGA or Blair Payton and even new projects that we have coming on down the pipeline. So, you know, when it comes to surviving as a small label, and someone said it so eloquently uh, this last week at a tasting. She's this gal uh, from Southern California. They were part of this lovely group, uh, some friends of ours from down in San Diego. Uh, shout out to Chris and Martin and the whole crew. Uh, it was awesome to see you all. Uh, she's like, how, how do you stay in business? Like you guys don't, like you're not filthy rich. Like you're not killing, you're not making millions of dollars. Like you're, you know, you're wearing kind of a torn up vest, jeans, maybe some Converse that are like, you're not like rolling in it, you know? Why do you do this? And the easy answer was because we love it. You know, we love doing what we do. Do we make a killing? No, this is not some venture capital, get rich, you know, tech industry type thing. Uh, this is a love of the game industry, you know, for us and what we do with MTGA or what other folks do with their small labels. Uh, you really just have to love what you do. And are you gonna get filthy rich? No, you're just not. You're not going to in the wine industry. Um, there are a handful of people who have been able to knock that out. You're talking about the Dave Finney's and Joe Wagner's of the world. Outside of that, you're going to have to talk about producers that are making tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of cases, uh, and supplying like the country and the world with wine. Uh, that's really where you move that needle forward. But if you're like us, 
and you have that smaller craft mentality, you know, you have to find other ways and you, to do that, you, to pay those bills and continue doing what you want to do and, you know, try not to sacrifice what you want to be as a small business. So you go through those four avenues. You go through your distribution channels, you go through your wine club, you go through hosting tastings and maybe other on the road events and supplemental things. And you have to figure out which one of those four you really want to maybe focus on, uh, what's really gonna be most important in moving the needle for your own business. Because some people, I, we have great friends that kill it in the distribution game. Their wines are all over the place. They're well supported throughout the country and even abroad. Um, we have other folks that just rattle out tastings. I mean, so many people come out to see them. We have folks, you know, friends of ours that have these giant wine clubs and that's what they do. And then you have folks that are just on the road constantly. You know, and maybe it's any one of those four things. Maybe it's a combination of all four things. Uh, for us, we have the three that re we really focus on between the wine club, number one, tastings, number two, and then on the road, number three, to really help us move the needle. And that's what has allowed us as a small business to really continue to grow. So are we going to kill it? Are we going to make boatloads of cash? No, but we get to travel around the country, see cool cities, hang out with great people. You definitely get to live the lifestyle a little bit, which is nice. Uh, you're not going to be driving the Bugatti down the street. Uh, you're not going to be, you know, wearing the vintage time pieces. Uh, you're not going to be wearing Gucci necessarily. You're going to have to learn how to budget and you're going to have to learn how to kind of live and work within your means, you know, as that small business. Uh, but realistically, for those of us that do it, we really would not want it any other way. So that's how we stay in business. That is how, those are the gears within MTGA and so many other small wineries that make us, you know, or allow us, I should say, to do what we do and continue pushing forward and growing and making the great wines that you have come to know and love from us. So, you know, it's, uh, it isn't without its challenges. Uh, you go th through weeks or months where it feels like you're never going to sell another bottle of wine. You have a cold, wet winter like we did this year, and it's tough. It's tough. It's a grind, but you get through these sunny months and, you know, late April into early May, and we've been, this is the busiest we've been since last harvest, you know, when so many folks are coming out to see the winery and see the harvest and all the action that that entails. So, you know, we have, you know, these peaks and valleys throughout our seasons, just like many many people, uh, for all the accountants that just got through tax season, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, for all the probably fire department and PD folks, you look at Halloween and big holidays, you're like, yep, we're getting 4th of July, things where you have to be like up and aware and know what's going on because there's just so much happening. Uh, for anyone that's in the sports realm, you know what your season is and where you're gonna have those busy moments. Any business you know, has that. You also have those places where you know it's going to be a little slower, a little mellower, and you got to squirrel away, you know, funds to be able to get through those moments and be ready to get out there and start all over and tackle it, uh, tackle the opportunities that finally do come your way. So uh, it's something that is constantly a challenge as a small producer as to continue growing and living within your means and being able to do what you want to do. But if you can dial in any one of those four sales channels and kill it, you'll be all right. But it all comes back to 
very much you know part of that business episode that we dove into you have to have that business plan you have to have that strategy whether you're making a few hundred cases or a few thousand or tens of thousands or millions of cases you have to have a plan uh, it's just that cliche you know a failure to plan is a plan to fail it's kind of that simple so even though it might seem very romantic and very kind of matter of you know just we're just do, kind of doing what we do. We just sling wine and get out there. It is all very strategic, and we take a lot of time and effort to plan these weeks out, to travel to these locales, uh, to host tastings, to do right by our club members, and hopefully keep you engaged and happy with the wines that you're receiving. Uh, working with distributors and trying to get the wines out you know, to a broader audience when and where we can. You know, all those things will play a significant role in any wine business. It just depends on which ones you want to focus on and which ones are going to, you know, inevitably be, you know, more important than maybe one of the other four or three or which however many you decide to choose. So uh, we are definitely going to get more into the business aspect of things. I unfortunately have to run. I got some wine to go sling tonight. Uh, thank you all for your patience as I've kind of uh, messed up my upload schedule over the last couple of weeks. I hope you enjoy this little chat. I uh, appreciate you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, review, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, on top of that, there's one other thing. Oh my gosh, what was it? I completely forgot. We'll It'll come up another time. But thank you, thank you so much. Continue to share it, download it, do all the things. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, be sure, since we just did our end of April, our end of month Q&A, be sure to submit your questions uh, for anything that you want to know more about, whether it's wine, hospitality, the business side of things, the winemaking side of things. Uh, we'll be doing another Q&A at the end of May uh, as well. We'll continue to do those at the end of every month to dive into some more of these little nitty-gritty things uh, that come up during the episode. So thank you all so much. We'll see you again soon.